Please turn with me in your Bibles back to that passage we read in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. As we stand at the beginning of a new year, we can both look forwards and look back, can't we? We can look back at the year that is past and gone. We, as we do so, we can consider all that has happened to us individually. We can think about those things that have happened both good and bad. Those things that have brought us joy. Those brings that things that have brought us sorrow. Believer, as you look back, I'm sure there are things that you uh, thank the Lord for, that you give praise to God for, answer to prayer. Things that have been so evident blessings in your life, even maybe through difficult times. But I'm sure that there have also been things that have perplexed, things that have brought consternation, happenings, circumstances, situations in which you haven't been able to see God's hand, that you've been confused and you haven't been able to understand how he is working. And I'm also sure that this is true of you as a church, as a, a local body of people here in Battersea, as it is for the church that I and pastor of in Hyde Street Chapel, over the past year there have been encouragements, I'm sure. Blessings of God, things that we praise God for. The goodness of God is seen all the time, isn't it? And we rightfully praise God and thank him for his mercies towards us and his faithfulness. For indeed, he is a faithful God, isn't he? He's a good God to his people. He loves his people and he upholds his people with his righteous right hand. But I'm sure also as a church you face challenges, difficult times, things that have grieved you, things that have filled your hearts with sorrow, maybe perplexing times, times that you've been struggling to see your way through. Such is, such is the nature of looking back upon a year. But also, we look forward at this time of year, don't we? We can look back at the good and the bad. And even in all, we, we acknowledge God's hand and we acknowledge our Lord as sovereign God, leading us, guiding us, working all things together for the good of those who love him, of those who are called according to his purpose. But we also look forwards. We look forwards. We don't just dwell in the past, do we? No, we look forwards. We look forwards with great anticipation. We look forward to, to this year, 2024, full of exciting possibilities for us as individuals, maybe. Hopes of what might be. The, the 
I do not know what's going on in your lives, but maybe exciting times ahead for some of you uh, within your family, what you anticipate within your work, various things, various opportunities that possibly might present themselves to you, hopes for exciting growth in your lives. But along with the things that we hope for and long for and the possibilities of what might be, and yes, we look forward to these things with eager anticipation, we also must be honest with ourselves and we recognise the realities of this world that we live in. The realities of indwelling sin and the, the struggles that might be the challenges which are before us as individuals, Christians, believers. Maybe there are some things that you are already aware of. Things that you do not know how they're going to play out in this coming year. Great concerns, maybe concerns of health. Maybe concerns of work. Various different issues in family, maybe. There are things that we're already aware of then, but there are also other things, aren't there? And we have to admit that. Possibly even harder than we could possibly imagine. And as a church, I do hope and pray that you look forward to this year with, with, with a great expectation, a great hope and anticipation about the opportunities that the, might present themselves to you, excited about the prospect of what could be and indeed what will be. We can certainly expect growth, can't we? Maybe not numerical growth, but growth in our walk with God. It is by God's word that we are to be transformed. And as we week by week sit under the word of God and we attend to the word of God, as we attend to the word of God personally and as a church, that is a great expectation, isn't it? Because God is good, his word is powerful, and his spirit will work through his word in the hearts of believers. And we can expect that we will grow. If we do not grow, there is something amiss isn't there but as a church as we stand on the threshold of a new year we also and you also are aware no doubt of the great challenges which face us as a church there are some great and general challenges for the people of God in this day aren't there the, 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 the rising opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ the rising opposition to the notion of God, the rising and strengthening ungodly ideologies that we find ourselves facing day after day, the transgender movement, the uh, LGBTQ plus or whatever they call it nowadays, all of these things pressing upon us. There are these things prevailing in the West, these, these ideologies and philosophies that press hard against the people of God. Even this past year, people have been arrested for holding firm to the truth of God's word, preaching the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. Transformation by his word. Being converted from darkness to light. From death to life. These things weigh upon us. But also more specifically. The challenge of smallness. I'm not seeking to presume. I understand the makeup and the, the nature of this local body of God's people here. But I understand from my conversations with your pastor, you are much in the same boat as we are at Hyde Street, small in number, weak. We are a weak people, aren't we? And even if we were filled to the, to the rafters with people in comparison to the world, we are a weak people, aren't we? Indeed, we are a body of saved sinners too, and that holds all kinds of inherent problems. We all have our own idiosyncrasies and prevailing sin, which so often ensnares us. And so we stand on this threshold going into a new year, into exciting opportunities and expectations, but also daunting challenges and uncertainties. And Joshua and the children of Israel found themselves at such a time in Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1. Up until this time uh, and, and point in their lives, Moses had been leading the people, that great leader, that great man of God, and he had led them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And at Mount Sinai, he received the covenant, didn't he, uh, on behalf of the, the people. He's the covenant mediator. Uh, and, but while he, even while he was on that mountain with God, receiving the Ten Commandments, the people, the people turned their hearts away from God. They turned their hearts away from God's commands and made themselves an idol, a, a golden calf, to which they worshipped and bowed before, and, and God was greatly displeased. And, and on coming down, Moses broke the tablets in pieces and destroyed the idol, and God judged the people, and God was greatly displeased. But Moses stood in the breach. He interceded for the people, and God told Moses to take the people up from there, to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. What mercy! And Moses, having received this command, having seen the rebellious heart of the people, their stiff-necked natures, he sought God's face. He saw God's face and prayed earnestly with him that he would be assured that with, in going, God would be with them, that God would go with them. And God gave him this great promise in Exodus 33, 14. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses, up to this point, had known the precious realities of this promise. He knew the help of God, the presence of God, in the midst of such difficulty, in the midst of leading such an unbelieving and, and, and hard people. 
When he was facing opposition, God had been with him. And indeed, God had been with his people. And Joshua had seen this firsthand. God at work. He believed that God was with them and he was with Moses in particular. He had been one of the spies that had gone into the promised land to spy it out that first time when Moses sent 12 men, one of every tribe, into the promised land. And he was one of only two that came back with that positive report, yes, acknowledging uh, the, the dangers before them, acknowledging the challenges, but also acknowledging their God. Their God is greater. Their God is faithful. Their God is given them this land. Let's go up he said only one of two he brought back that positive report and, and after that when the people had rebelled he became a servant of Moses Moses' understudy observing assisting Moses in the work but now Joshua is faced with the awesome prospect of taking the baton from Moses. He, he was faced with this amazing task. An incredible task of, of leading this great and vast number who had rebelled against God, not only through the wilderness, but into Canaan. He was to lead them into the promised land uh, uh, and a, a great conquest, a battle to take the land. And so both he and the people faced an uncertain and daunting and challenging work. Uh, yes, great opportunities of excitement ahead of them, but what a work. And they needed to be reminded of the commands and promises of God, and so do we. We needed to be reminded of God's word. We need to be reminded of God's promises to us. And we need to go forwards into this new year with great courage, obeying God and seeing God at work. So let's see first a challenging work, a challenging work. Joshua 1, 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. We must not allow ourselves to belittle the task that lay before this people. We must not uh, allow ourselves to make small the task that Joshua had been given. This was a task, but for God's grace would have been impossible. No earthly ruler would undertake such a thing. And the land that they were to go into in order to conquer was a land full of well-fortified cities, a well-established people. The reality would have been the same as those 40 years before when the spies had gone in. They'd gone in and found giants in the land. Walled cities, great military mites. And Israel were a tribal group of people with no home, no walls. They'd been wandering through the wilderness. No heavy military machinery. 
They had some fighting experience when Sihon and Og was overcome before them by God, but they had very little. They were not a battle-hardened people. They did not have a well-experienced and equipped military operation. And not only that, the people under Moses had proved to be so stiff-necked, such a difficult people to lead, weren't they? Oh, my friends, just as an aside, don't be a difficult people to lead. Be a people that is a joy to lead. But the people of Israel for Moses were not like that. They were difficult. And now Moses was gone, and Joshua is given this great and awesome task of leading this people into the promised land in, in military conquest against a mighty foe, a powerful foe. Let's just think about what the report was when the, the spies came back. They said, it truly flows with milk and honey. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Caleb quieted the people before Moses, said, Let us go up at once and take possession for we will be able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against his people, for they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw there are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in theirs. What a, what a challenging task. What a challenging work laid before Joshua and laid before the children of Israel. They really did have their work cut out for them, didn't they? And we too have a challenging work. We have a challenging work ahead of us. As God's people, as we go into this new year, we are to go into a hostile and brutal world as soldiers of Jesus Christ. And we are to take it by force, not by military force, but by force of the word of God. We are to go out and wield the sword, preaching the gospel. We are to stand for the truth and what danger that might get us into but we must from past experience we could be like the ten spies couldn't we who came back from the land and said oh they are too strong for us we, we are just a weak people they are vast they, they are so strong they are so powerful they are too strong for us we cannot go forwards. What are we to do? We could say, well, there are giants there. What are you saying, preacher? What are you saying that we must go in this way and be so bold? There are giants there. Giants of intellect. 
those who have great minds who stand against God and his church and God's word. Those with, with, with wonderful powers of mind that come up with all kinds of all kinds of ideologies, all kinds of schemes and things that undermine God's word. Atheism, all think of the men, the minds, the great intellects. How are we to, to, to fight that? How are we to combat that? How are we to withstand such intellect? Think of the giants of philosophy. Those who philosophize and, and, and bring these ideologies to bear. Great profound philosophers of history. Think of the Marxist agendas. And all these things that we are seeing the fruits of in our days. Giants of business and wealth. They have vast amounts of, of money. They can just pour money into doing what they want to do. Pour money into opposition. Maybe not on purpose. Maybe not with their minds engaged. Right, we are going to go all out war against God's people. But as they stand as children of darkness, they stand against God and his people. The power, the giants of power, Governments, media, the academic world, all standing, standing against the Lord Jesus Christ. Standing against God. Standing against God's word, reviling him, waving their fists at him, saying, we will go our way, we want none of your way. There are great giants in the land. And it is to that that we go forwards towards. So a great and challenging work. And to, added to that, we could add what I've mentioned already. Those inherent challenges of a church of saved sinners. Of weakness in number. But the Lord knows and he commands us to press forward and so a clear command a clear command Joshua 1 verse 7 and 8 we read only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all that the law all the law which Moses my servant commanded you and do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Here Joshua was given a clear command as to how he should lead this people in this challenging task. He must be strong, he must be courageous, and he must observe and do all the law. And so in this section we learn a number of things we learn a number of things concerning the man of whom should lead God's people jo Joshua 
was to lead God's people and that as the man chosen to lead God's people, he must do so according to the law of Moses. He must do so according to all that Moses has written. Now this term law can be translated or interpreted a number of different ways. It can, be, can imply the Ten Commandments, the law of God. It can imply uh, the greater um, laws that have been given in the covenant to the Old Testament people of God. But it can also be interpreted or translated instruction. Instruction. And so God is telling Joshua that you must do so according to all the instruction, all the law of Moses, those first five books that Moses has written. You must lead them according to that. And secondly, in order to do that, in order to be able to take God's word, the word that has been given through Moses, and apply that and be obedient to that, he must be strong. He must be strong and courageous. Oh, how we need strong and courageous men in ministry today to lead his people in the truth. To hold to the truth. And my friends, that is not easy. For Joshua, that was not going to be easy. This was the people that had been so evidently brought out of Egypt with a mighty uh, outstretched arm of God, the great miracles done before them. This is the chosen people of God, Israel. And yet to, to lead them according to his word was going to be hard. And he was to be strong and courageous so that he might, so that he might uh, do all the law. It is hard to lead God's people according to God's word. Now, we don't just have the first five books of Moses. But this term, instruction, can be given to the whole counsel of God by which New Testament churches are to be governed. And this, this, and this alone is to be our measure. This alone is to be our rule. And your pastor, and the pastors of God's churches up and down this nation and throughout the world must lead his people according to all that I have commanded them, God says. It's not what we want. It's not what we like. It's not merely traditions. No, but God's word. We must attend to it. And thirdly, so that he can do that, he must meditate in it. Meditate in it. Not merely read it. Not even memorize it. But meditate in it. Chew it over. Think about it. Apply it to mind. Apply it to situations. And he must not, fourthly, let it depart from his mouth. Even Joshua, that great leader, was to be a preacher. A preacher of God's word. He must speak it or preach it to the people and keep them in remembrance of it. And this is part of our work, isn't it, as preachers? To keep the people in remembrance of it. 
And then they too must meditate upon it. And they too must be strong and courageous in order to keep it. They must seek to do all that they are instructed in it as Joshua was. Moses speaking to the people in Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of good courage. Exactly the same words. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. No, do all my word. And this is what is commanded of us. This is what you should expect of your pastor and elders as under-shepherds as Joshua was their under-shepherd. Pray for Fabio. Pray for Peter. That they would be strong and courageous doing all that God has said. But this is also true of all, isn't it? All of us, his people. They, as the people of God, must be strong and courageous in, in observing and doing all that God's word says. What is expected of the leaders is also expected of the people. And it's hard. And we must be courageous in God that we may do his will. And indeed, the Lord tells Joshua, because it is in this way that you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Success is only found in obedience. Success in the kingdom, success in this life is only found in obedience to God's word. And so we must be led by it and we must go by it. And finally, a crucial promise. A crucial promise. They had a challenging work, a challenging task ahead of them. They had a clear command as to how they were to execute it. And now they have this wonderful and crucial promise. Moses in Exodus 33, having been at a similar threshold, prayed that the Lord would not send them away from there unless he went with them. You see, Moses recognized the hopelessness of the situation unless God was with them. That the, the, there was no hope of success in what God had given them to do unless God was with them to work it. And having acknowledged that, he prayed that God would go with them. Not only before them, he'd already promised that, but go with them. And praise God, Christ has gone before, but we need him with us. And we must pray. Pray urgently. Pray fervently with Moses. Go with your people. Be with us, as you have promised. And, and there, Moses received that wonderful promise, as I've quoted already, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you. A glorious promise and, and he proved it to be sure and having proved it to be true and proved it to be sure in Deuteronomy 31 Moses first encourages the people and then encourages his um, the, the one who would take over from him Joshua with the same promise be strong and of good courage do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God he is the one who goes with you he will never leave you nor forsake you to Joshua, he says the same, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people, 
as the Lord has sworn uh, into the land which the Lord has sworn to give to their fathers. You, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And now Joshua, in Joshua 1, God himself promises the self-same promise and gives Joshua that same assurance. Such was his task. This the assurance of his presence. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9, God re-emphasized, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you to go? Have I not commanded you to do what Moses has said? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One commentator said, Joshua was never to rely on his own wisdom or great size of the Israelite army, for support would not be found there. The sole source of his strength would be the Lord's presence wherever he went. And so it is true for us. Our strength must never be looked for in ourselves, in our own wisdom, our own powers of intellect or ability our own bank balance as a church it must never be looked nothing must never be looked to because we will find no strength maybe in our apologetic arguments and powers no yes they can be helpful yes money can be helpful yes wise and and intellectual men are helpful but but uh, our strength doesn't lie there. And praise God, for he uses the weak things of this world to confound the strong. The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wisdom of the wise. No, our, our strength must never be found there. It must only be found in the Lord and his presence with his people. But you might be asking, but, but is this a promise that applies to us? Yes, God, God promised this to his ancient people of Israel just as they were coming out of, the promise, uh, out of Egypt and going to the promised land. Yes, he promised it to his great servant Moses and, and, and the great Joshua. But, but can I take this for myself? Can we as a church take this for ourselves? Well, praise God, yes. Praise God, yes. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, we're told. And in Hebrews 13, couching this same promise in the same kind of language, the language of obedience to God's word. Let not your conduct be with, uh, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Speaking to the New Testament church of which we are, our brothers and sisters. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he said. And so we may boldly say, 
As we go into this year, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Oh, they might be able to do a lot. They might be able to hurt you. They might be able to take your wealth away from you. They might be able to take your freedom away from you. Indeed, they might even take your life. But they will never take your true life that is in Christ Jesus. The Lord is my strength. The strength at my right hand. And so as we stand at the threshold of a new year, Moses' and Joshua's concern should be ours. The concern that God would be with us. And indeed he has promised to do so. Jesus said himself, I will be with you even to the end of the age. He gave the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, to aid. And to be our pres his presence with us, the Emmanuel, God with us. So Moses and Joshua's concern should be our concern, and Moses' prayer should be our prayer. May we pray fervently, Lord, be with us. Go before us. Give us strength. And indeed, this promise, promise given to Moses, promise given to Joshua, promise given to Israel, is a promise given to us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I've been preaching to God's people this morning of the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the great task that we have ahead, daunting though it is. But our God is a faithful God. And we, God's people, go into the new year knowing that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The great creator God. The sovereign one who is leading and directing all things for the good of his people. It's a glorious hope. Or oh, some people argue, oh, you're just a Christian because you need a crutch to lean on. Oh, my friends, I don't know how you get through life without it. The horrors of life. The horrors of sin and the consequences in this world. No hope to come. The only anticipation is seeing a holy God. To which you must give an account. To which none can stand before. To which the only words you will hear unless you come to the Lord Jesus Christ is depart from me, I never knew you. Our God is a good God. Our God is a mighty God. Our God is a faithful God to all who call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because all who call upon the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, we are told. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And if you believe, if you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation today, you will be part of his people, part of his kingdom. To which this promise goes. And as you step into tomorrow, with all its uncertainties, all its fears, you can take this promise and say that he will never leave me, nor forsake me. May this be true of each one of us here this morning. And may the Lord give us true courage and strength as we go into a new year.